Football, Purdue, and IU stumbling into the bucket game. Um, what else is new, right? Feels like old old times. Notre Dame rolls past Wake Forest. Another senior day blowout for the Irish. And in hour number two, we'll get more on IU and some of the issues. Uh, we talked about effort, and that's one of them that's definitely impacting one particular category. Uh, Notre Dame, they announced uh, an extension in their deal with NBC why the years are key on this and and why it sets up the Irish for the next round of potential realignment and the obvious solution in this Michigan scandal. Even the NCAA president is on board. We'll give you details uh, in hour number two on that and uh, a sad update, Justin, on the cocaine hippos. Oh, dang. Yes. So uh, sad update there. We'll get to that uh, before we wrap up on the show this morning. Have a good weekend. How was the game Friday? It was good. Um, it helped to have a uh, a very good color man in uh, Shannon Griffith, but uh, went really well in the in the call, and it went really well for the Snyder Panthers. Yeah, Snyder advancing to the Class Five A state final coming up. Uh, what Friday night? Friday night, seven, 7 o'clock. o'clock. Yep, one of um, three area teams. Adam yeah. Central will play at eleven a.m. on Friday. Bishop Lewers will play at 11 a.m. on Saturday. And will all three of those be on broadcast? Will any be on stream? So the way I I look at it, the two on Friday will be on broadcast. The one on Saturday will be on stream due to Purdue IU uh, Uh, contract obligations and all that. Sure, sure. uh, That is how it looks for the state finals. But yes, three area teams make it to state. So uh, very, very good uh, Friday night, indeed, and Leo season came to a close. But again, a great Leo team going down to a great Northwood team. Yeah, Northwood in the end, just more talent, particularly offensively. Leo couldn't slow that offense down enough, but in a good spot with three area teams heading down to Lucas Oil Stadium and ruining all Thanksgiving plans for those three teams. But <laughs> uh, that's a good thing in this respect, for sure. So uh, have a good weekend. Uh, Christmas lights up. Christmas lights were up. We got that up yesterday. Uh, outside lights. And then my wife and, and Noah went out to check them out last night. Noah comes in. There's a strand out. I'm like, no, there's not. <laughs> yeah, there is. So I got to deal with that. Uh, so do you have classic lights? Do you have a you know, we color? Do, the, the wife likes those bulb lights that we have uh-huh. along the uh, the gutter. And then we do a wrap around the banister on the front porch mm-hmm. with lights as well with some garland and crap. So. Um, those are fine, but I got to get back up on the, the ladder to replace, uh, some lights that are out. Luckily it's like the first strand after I plug it in to the extension cord. So it's not like in the middle or anything. So it, it could be worse, but it is annoying, but yeah, they're up. We, uh, we put up icicle lights. So bought new lights, okay. put those up and you know, is, is there anything more terrifying than being on the ladder and putting up lights? <laughs> There's like, I'm on, I, you know, I'm on the highest step you're allowed to go on, not yeah. the one that says do not step on. Right. And I'm, I'm thinking, you know, there are many dangerous things that I do, but this is perhaps <laughs> the most dangerous. Like it feels more dangerous than driving a car every day. Now is, uh, is, is she a good help in terms of holding the ladder or is she more yeah. worried about where the lights are being uh, placed? She, she, she was holding the ladder, thankfully, yeah. but it just, uh, yeah, it did not feel very safe. Yes. Uh, it's, uh, it's. Always difficult, but mission accomplished. Good job. Yes, it's done. I don't have to worry about it. Yeah, no. <laughs> that's that's really the key thing.
Mission accomplished. You can get out up the, up there in March now and take them down. Or uh, April or May, whatever no, you think. No, they'll be <laughs> taken down in, in January. There you go. <laughs> no doubt. <laughs> 46862 is how you reach us on the text line. 46862. Taking a look at headlines this morning. We talked about one of them already. Three area teams making it to the state finals in high school football. Meanwhile, uh, over the weekend in the NFL, exciting finish to Sunday night football last night as the Broncos rally back at a late touchdown uh, to uh, from Russell Wilson to Cortland Sutton. Uh, Broncos win by a point in that one. So Josh Dobbs uh, finally you know, getting a loss with the Vikings. And a lot of other headlines elsewhere. Uh, you have Brock Purdy with a perfect passer rating as the Niners uh, rolled. You have Jimmy Johnson getting a, a, a moved into the Cowboys ring of honor. Now it's not for a couple years, but that was announced yesterday. The Cowboys also uh, won pretty handily uh, in uh, yesterday's matchup playing Carolina. No surprise there. Uh, you have Zach Wilson getting benched. For the Jets in a, in a post-game fight in the tunnel. Oh, just all the good things for the Jets. <laughs> and the Chargers, who, look, Brandon Staley's getting fired after this year. I don't think anyone has any doubts, but man, just feels like they continue to waste talent. Well, especially roster. with one of the best quarterbacks, I think we would agree, in the in in the NFL, and Justin Herbert, and, and Jordan Love with his best game as a pro yesterday, 320, 322 yards, two touchdowns for the Packers. And they get a much-needed home victory, but yeah, the the Chargers now four and six, and not not looking good for their playoff chances right now. And you have the Detroit Lions, who are eight and two, eight and two, beating the Bears, holding them off on Sunday. And I mean that division's all but theirs, right? I it take a colossal collapse. Well, it was a colossal collapse for the Bears yesterday up 26 to 14 with four minutes to go. And and it was during my, my son's first birthday party. The game was on and my father-in-law kept giving me updates. And when he said it was 26-14, the Bears just kicked a field goal. I'm thinking, this is how it's going to go. Touchdown, punt, touchdown, loss. And <laughs> if I was... If I wasn't running around doing eight million things, I would have put the bet. I, I would have placed money on Detroit because it, it just hit. Like that's what's going to happen. Sure enough, touchdown, punt, touchdown, and then strip sack loss. But the Bears did everything right for three and a half quarters at Detroit, except close. And, and it's another lesson in the NFL: if you play conservative, if you play passive against a good team. You're going to lose. And that's what Chicago did is they went up two scores. They went to a prevent defense. They were aggressive all day in terms of getting pressure on, on, on Jared Goff, forced three interceptions, should have had a fourth, that should have been a pick six, and get the ball back, run it, try to throw a pass that's a bad throw by Justin Fields, but at least they tried to throw it on that, on that second down or third down if it was. But at that point, teams are already expecting you to throw. And then you come back, punt, and then give up a, a, a game-winning touchdown. It, it it was setting up to be exactly that, and it was for the Bears. For three and a half quarters, played really, really good football. But you just you cannot let up in the NFL against good teams. You cannot do it. The Bears took their foot off the gas, and they lost. So for Chicago, that was an opportunity to win consecutive games for the first time in nearly two years. And for Detroit, best record through 10 games since 1962. It's unbelievable. Uh, and, and again, 
a shot to win their first division title in three decades. So yeah, their combination of win plus the Vikings loss. I mean, it, the, the North is all but theirs at this point. It would, it would take a huge collapse. Minnesota dropped to six and five. And again, Detroit at eight and two. So Detroit, I, I mean, who would have guessed Detroit on Thanksgiving and it's a, a meaningful game. Yeah. Playing the Packers. How about that? Cause for how, how long we've been like, gosh, why does Detroit have to be on Thanksgiving? They're terrible. This, this year, you're actually excited. And, well, and, and to be fair, last year they were starting to play good football around Thanksgiving as well. So th- there they was, were, yes. There was uh, some momentum during that time. But uh, anything else that really stuck out to you in the NFL yesterday? Uh, no, nothing overly insane when you look at it. Uh, the, the game last night was impressive. You look at the dominance that the Cowboys again showed, but granted playing Carolina, what to expect. Um, the Dolphins had to come back and win. I think the Jaguars just beating up on the Titans. How about the Browns? Yeah. Getting a win. And they're looking at uh, Joe Flacco for the practice squad. Are they really? I mean, I thought Dorian Thompson Robinson played okay enough yesterday, but maybe some, um, some reinforcements there. Buffalo, a dominant. I mean, can, we get, can we get rid of the Jets in any prime time or prime time slot from from here on out? Like, it, it, there's no reason they should be on. They were the they were the national game yesterday in the uh, in the late window, but they're on. I think they're Friday Black Friday game. Oh yeah, joy. yeah. I think it's them and the Seahawks. Or no, it's them uh, and the Dolphins. The Dolphins. Which the Dolphins still haven't beaten a team with a winning record this year. Isn't that wild? Yeah, and and they came in with with one of the best records over the last couple of years. They had beaten like six or seven teams over five hundred heading into the season in a row and hadn't done it. So if we can get rid of the Jets and stop, I don't care when Aaron Rodgers comes back. He probably won't. Yeah, I'm not buying into that at all. Well, because he's like, well, if I'll come back if the Jets are in it, because he wants to be the savior and the hero, but the Jets aren't going to be in it. They're four and six right now. So, um, you know, the Rams getting a win over the Seahawks, much needed for the Rams yesterday. So that was a big win for them. Uh, but, um, no, you know, no Colts yesterday either. But it was, um, it was prophetic when, when, when the Bears are 26 14. The first thought was they're going <laughs> to lose this game. I know what this is going to happen. And sure enough, that's what happened. Uh, in college football, a couple of key, in, uh, a key injury to a quarterback and a, uh, quarterback announcing he is returning from injury. The the positive news first, and that is the fact that Cam Rising uh, is returning to Utah for a sixth year. Um, hasn't or sorry, seventh year um, that he will play, uh, but he helped lead the Utes to consecutive Pac-12 titles. He's missed this season with a knee injury. Has not played. There was you know kind of thought that oh he might be able to come back, but there are other torn ligaments. So. Uh, he never returned this year, but again, that will be big for, for Utah as they enter the Big 12 next year. And then I didn't see this, nor do I want to see this. But Florida State quarterback Jordan Travis, who has had such a good season for Florida State, got injured early on in their blowout win over North Alabama. It was a grotesque injury. Yeah, I, I don't need to see it. It was uh, It was pretty nasty. So his season's obviously over. And now, what does that mean for Florida State, who's trying to find their way into the college football playoff? They have uh, Florida, their rival, coming up this weekend. And and look, that'll be a tough game without Jordan Travis. And then, obviously, they have the ACC championship game. So, I mean, I, to me, I feel like they have to win out. Oh, yeah. To get in, they're going to have to, for sure. But I don't know if they can. 
I don't know if they can either. Um, elsewhere in college football, more news coming out uh, early on over the weekend in the Michigan State uh, scandal. It just continues to be the the weirdest story. They went, you know, all in, and we talked about this on Friday's show. Michigan went all in on protecting Harbaugh and claiming as a witch hunt, and then suddenly new info came out, and well, they backed off, and well, they're going to continue to to back off even more uh, because. You had even more evidence that the NCAA presented Michigan with, and that was this booster named Uncle T, which, great name for a booster. Gotta love him. Allegedly funded part of Connor Stallion's scouting operation, and an assistant coach uh, attempted to destroy evidence after the scandal broke. That assistant coach, we believe, was Chris Partridge, who was the linebacker's coach. Uh, Rick Minner will serve as the linebacker's coach, and that that news came down on Friday afternoon, which... uh, Go figure, there was more context, and that was why Michigan backed off. Yeah, they took that deal pretty quick once that evidence came out. So I don't know what this means. I don't know just because the Big Ten is done investigating, if that means the NCAA is, is done investigating as well. It's just no. kind of tough to get the uh, the clarity on that. I, I think the NCAA investigation is, as far as I know, it's still ongoing. The Big Ten, they just did a... a internal investigation right. that had more to do with this season. I think the NCAA investigation is going to be going on for quite some time. And they'll continue to unravel the uh, the uh, the onion, so to speak. It just seems like that's where we're at. Just the layer after layer after layer of this thing. But I don't expect Jim Harbaugh back with Michigan next year. I do not either. I, think uh, I looks- saw a report that uh, from Fox Sports over the weekend that you know he could, he could miss all of next season in college football. So I expect him to go to the NFL. The other thing is, though, how will the NFL handle this? And I, I don't think they care. I don't. I don't think so either. I, I would. I've I've read different things where it's not a guarantee. I wouldn't. I mean, the NFL, whatever. I mean, it's it's apples and oranges, high or college and pro. So I don't think they would be impacted. But we'll see. But um, if you're a Michigan fan, you're hoping that they get it done this year because you're probably not going to have Jim Harbaugh back. No, no, probably not. The Indiana Pacers in action yesterday, and the final score could not be more misleading than what happened in this game. Pacers lose to the Magic, 128-116 to at home. So uh, the Magic actually playing decent early this year, but this was a game that the Pacers trailed by as much as 40. Ooh. <laughs> it was not a good first half. In fact, uh, they... Gave up 78 points in the first half. Uh, again, came back and made this a lot closer in, in garbage time, especially in, in the fourth quarter. Uh, but the Magic scored the first 11 points. They had a 42-21 lead at the first quarter. Had by as much as 38 in the second. Reached 40 in the second half. Pacers rally back in this one. So not not ideal for the Pacers on Sunday, especially at home. Uh, they will play coming up tomorrow night uh, at Atlanta. For their next game. Never good when Jordan Wara leaves you leads you in scoring. Yes. In 19 off the bench for <laughs> not, the Pacers. Not ideal. And and then the Comets over the weekend, they they were the Fort Wayne Black Snakes and uh mixed mixed bag as it, it seems to be. Right? Kind of what we're talking about with the Comets. I mean, every weekend you're okay, what direction is it gonna go? And it's just same old say win loss. So they, they get the win on Sunday. Um, as they beat Wheeling, but again, fall to Toledo. So it, it's just continuing to be a, a mixed bag on the year. 
Next game, though, the big one, the Bob Chase Memorial game. Make sure you listen to tomorrow's show uh, as we will have a four-pack of tickets for the Thanksgiving night game uh, we will be giving away. So stay tuned for that. Still that feeling out process. The, the Comets third in the Central with 13 points. They're only five behind Toledo, who's in first, but you're only six out of last with the fuel right now. So you're kind of in the middle, and you could go either direction, and is this going to be the case all season? Is it just going to be a team that's 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 good, but not great, not bad? Is this kind of in that meaty part of the curve? Do they make a run? It's still very early, of course, but it's already shaping up to be, per usual, a really big fight in the Central to make the playoffs. And the K's right now 6-4-0-1 over the course of the season. They're tied for the second most wins in the division. But, um, you know, four regulation losses is kind of hurting them currently. Toledo, of course, Toledo, 8-1-1-1 atop the Central right now. Just cannot get past Toledo. It is what it it's is. So is that constant? Yeah. So the, the Comets 3-1 yesterday. Uh, Brett Brochu, 42 saves in his debut uh, between the pipes, so a, a good debut performance for Brochu for the case. Four six eight six two, the text line number four six eight six two. Several texts coming in. Uh, Justin Herbert's the Mike Trout in the NFL. Can we please get him on a franchise with any sort of a chance to be good? Yesterday was his career in a nutshell: two hundred and fifty yards, two touchdowns, no turnovers, seventy six yards rushing, two loss to lowly Green Bay. I just think they need the right coach. I don't. I don't. Like and you got to remember, they seem seemingly have injuries to a wide receiver every year. Right. I think that would help. Uh, just people stay healthy. I, I don't know. I I think it can be turned around. I really do. With a different coach, for yes, sure. Yes, different coach. But I mean, Keenan Allen has been able to stay healthy for the majority of the season. He went for ten and one hundred and sixteen yards. Yeah, but Mike Williams touchdown. got but hurt. Mike Williams got hurt. Yeah. So we have Austin Eckler, who I think is is one of the the better running backs in the league. That. You could say he's been underutilized, particularly this year. This is a defense that needs some some pieces. But when you look on the edge of that defense, you would think they are loaded with talent for, for the Chargers in terms of your end rushers. I mean, you look at one side with Nick Williams, you look at the other side, Austin. I mean, those are two really solid in the 3-4 that they play. But maybe a difference maker guy, you of course have Mack and Bosa as your as your guys for at the outside linebackers that are effectively blitzers as well. So you would think you have two of the better linebacker defensive end hybrids in the entire league with Mac and Bosa, and you still are sitting four and six. So yeah, I, I agree with you in terms of, of blame. It's easy to blame a coach, but you look at the, the talent that the chargers have, they should be better than, than what they are. Oh yes, absolutely. They seemingly underachieve. Every year, it feels like. I, it seems like that, too. You can only do that for so long until the coach is dismissed. And I, I think we'll have that. And I've, I've seen rumors that Belichick could go there, which I think that's a bad move. I, I, don't, I don't like that move. I, I, just, I don't think his style is going to work in the modern NFL. I, I think that's where we're at. It, it may have worked 20 years ago. Right. I don't, and, it, and it may have worked with Tom Brady. I don't think it works currently in how the NFL is set up. No, it definitely seems past its uh, its prime in the NFL. That's that's for sure. Four six eight six two. The text line number four six eight six two. 
Meanwhile, IU and the Empire Classic at Madison Square Garden taking on the defending national champs yesterday. It was a good first 10-12 minutes, and then UConn took over, and we just saw a lot of sloppy play from IU. Uh, Guard play, which is one of the few things we thought would be a strength with this team, has been a weakness. You have Xavier Johnson committing bad fouls. Uh, He picked up three early fouls in the first half of this one, and just not really seeing the the good play from him. Bad defense between him and Trey Galloway. Like, it's just, they have looked lost defensively, and uh, you had a few bright spots. Malik Renew with 18 points. Um, That's about it. That was, yeah, that was (laughs) about about it, it. to be honest. I mean, Khalil Ware had 11 and 8, but most of that was done in the first half. And and we'll talk about some of the other issues with this team in hour number two that I think is, is, is key, but Again, it's just it's the same thing. What is this team's identity? Malik Renew still can't avoid foul trouble. Bad guard play. Uh, they don't hustle. I talked about the guard play. It's That's the it's biggest effort. thing. It's like there's just no effort with right? this team. And, and you can't like they talked about this on the broadcast, and, and and it was you know effort used to be one of those things that was just a, a, a foregone conclusion with players. So now it has to be coached. Yeah, and. For whatever reason, Mike Woodson can't get these guys to give the effort. Like, if you're not winning 50-50 balls, or at least going after them, like, there's no effort. And and that's IU. A lot of staining around, bad defensive stances. Uh, There's just... It's it's an effort issue. I I think the talent's there. I don't think people are going to disagree with that. We've, We've seen flashes of talent. It's the effort. And of all the people to be the guys that aren't setting the pace... Xavier Johnson in particular, I mean, is not setting the pace. And, and that's the guy you thought would be one of the leaders of this team. It, it's interesting because yesterday I, I, I watched it on replay. Indiana is capable of putting together good defensive possessions. Yeah. But it's not consistent. There were a couple times early in that second half, they were down, they would make a little run, get within seven, and Indiana would put together a good defensive possession or they would be down nine to get a stop and then score to get down seven. Like They're capable of putting together a possession or two or three of good defensive play, but it, it it's not consistent enough because then it, they fall back down into being being lazy. And and this is the thing, we've, we've, we've continued to talk about it with Indiana. It doesn't matter who you bring in, all these four-stars, you can get excited about it. If they don't have effort, if they don't play well together, if they don't hustle, then it doesn't matter. And I think that's where you're at with Indiana, and people can continue to get get excited about, oh, this five-star and this four-star, but it doesn't matter if there's no effort there. You can win a fair amount of games with just talent, but you're not going to do anything special, right? So when you look at Indiana, can, can okay, can they get to... 18, 19, 20 wins, be a 9, 10 seed in the tournament, and then lose with this talent? Yeah, they can, but they're not going to do anything better than that. Well, and, that, and that's really the, the issue is that with the way this team is, yeah, they can they can beat bad teams just on talent alone, but they're not beating any top teams. Like They're not even beating them at home um, with, with the way they're playing right now. Yeah. Is the Big Ten going to be down enough? I think they can win enough games to get into the tournament. As of right now, yes. Yes, I do. But you're not beating the Purdue's, the Michigan State's. You're obviously not beating Kansas. Uh, that's off the table. And for this team, it's it's like, what do you want to be? And it just it doesn't seem like they want to put in the work to be good enough. They're, they're not... 
they have talent, but they're not talented enough to just go out and 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 beat up on teams with just their talent. They have to work. And once again, yesterday they didn't work. Xavier Johnson, Trey Galloway was supposed to be super exciting that Xavier Johnson was coming back. His stat line: four points, one assist yesterday. No rebounds. No rebounds. Two turnovers. And he and that's uh, not good. Too many fouls. Now is he playing? Maybe not at a hundred percent after getting hurt. Maybe, but he's healthy enough to be out there and play. And he didn't do much at all. Only played fourteen minutes. I, I really think that's a that's an injury issue. Yesterday with him, you had CJ Gunn come off the bench, played twenty minutes, played okay, but couldn't make a shot from the outside. CJ Gunn, I, I saw this stat, and this was during the game. But since coming to IU, something like two for twenty-seven from three. Yeah, it was over three I, I, yesterday. Yeah. <laughs> um, Khalil Ware was the only guy that maybe had any type of consistency from three, and he couldn't make a shot inside the arc. Finished two of ten. He was two of four from beyond the arc. Two oh of six from inside the arc. You looked at this game as okay. Is Indiana really going to raise its game against an elite opponent and play up to its competition? The answer is a resounding no. This IU team yesterday was the same team you saw against Army and Florida Gulf Coast. It's the same team. They did not raise their level of play. And as you get deeper and deeper the season, the narrative changes from it's the beginning of the season and they have to work things out to this is just who they are. IU has has a chance still to elevate its game and become a better basketball team. But when there's no effort or little effort, that's where it starts. And we see the same lack of effort in game four that we saw in game one. And quite frankly, last year at times. So it, 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 it and, and I just get so frustrated with Indiana fans when they get so focused on who they're bringing in and who could be coming next. It just doesn't matter if the effort's not there. If they're not just grinded out teams and they're going to hustle and play hard because that's what makes you decent to a good team or a good team to a great team. This team is a decent team. It could be good, but it lacks effort. Several texts rolling in at 46862. IU is so far behind in coaching. The players don't matter. They're being led to slaughter. Watch the movement of the UConn offense. IU stands around year after year. This is where apathy sets in. You know every game they're behind before the game starts. Well, you know, and this is what I was concerned about with with Mike uh, with Mike Woodson getting this job is he's an NBA dude. Yeah, he. You see players in the NBA take possessions off, games off. He's a guy you see a, so much ISO in the NBA. Guys standing around watching a player dribble around, tack the basket. That's what you see in the NBA. Not much ball movement, right? You hired a dude. That comes from that mantra, that that play. Well, we saw it last year with Jalen Hutchifino. The thing is, it worked because Jalen Hutchifino was was a first round pick. Right. It's just you you get what you get. You hired a dude that was not qualified for the job, other than the fact he's from Indiana or had Indiana history. You know, it's like that's the only reason he got this job. And so people were so excited about Mike Woodson and all the talent he's going to bring. We're seeing that Mike Woodson's bringing in talent. It doesn't matter because he can't coach at the college game at this point. He can't, he's, he's not a good enough college coach. And it's unfortunately what I expected when they hired him. Which says a lot because it tells you how bad Archie Miller was. <laughs> I mean, seriously. But it's, uh, 
I, I don't see this Indiana team going anywhere this year. Uh, it has talent to be a Sweet 16 team. If it could put it together, I don't expect that to happen. Uh, you're just going to get what you get. And, and, and IU fans will get super excited about whatever players that Mike Woodson brings in next year, but it's going to be the same result. Uh, another text at 46862. The Mario Party collecting stars Hoosiers landing on Bowser's spot again. <laughs> yep, landed on Bowser, a powerhouse, and got exposed again yesterday. Lose by 20. And, and I, I know that uh, in, there were some 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 calls that went against Indiana yesterday. It was, uh, particularly in the first half, it was officiated Not worse well. than a Big Ten game, <laughs> which is impossible to believe. I think it was Malik Renew's fourth foul. Yeah. Where it was a very good possession by Indiana defensively, which is to my point, they can play some individual possessions really well on defense. They got the stop and steal and it was stolen right back and thrown into the post and it was an and one. Oh no, that was on Peyton Sparks, but that that's was where the Sparks? Yeah, that was where the game turned though because IU, you know, Xavier Johnson I think they were gets down the 7 steal. at the time. Yes. And it was looking like wow, they could cut this to 5 and make it a ball game and then he turns the ball right back over. And, and it was a Tristan terrible Newton, call. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It Sparks was Peyton, is just standing there, standing with, his there. Hand, with his arms up. Straight up. Sparks jumps into him and they call the N1. Yeah. I don't know what you... Ex- there, there were a lot of those calls yesterday. But Indiana was still the inferior team by a significant margin. So you can argue with the calls and all that. And IU uh, seemingly snake bitten by calls all weekend. Talk about the intentional grounding against yeah. the Hoosiers on Saturday. But those, it's going to happen. And IU didn't overcome it. In the end, IU lost because it was lazy and didn't execute. And that's what's been the what largely the issues for Indiana throughout the entire Mike Woodson tenure. And you know what that sounds like? NBA. Guys take games off. Guys take uh, possessions off. Halves off. Load management. A uh, lot of ISO. A lot of one-on-one. It's, it's the Mike Woodson game. That's what he knows. And it's not, it's not conducive to success at the college basketball level. A couple more texts at 46862. CK, 10 new players. It's going to take time to gel. Well, yeah, we that, told... But that has nothing to do with effort, yeah, though. That, okay, yeah, that has nothing to do with effort. It's not taking time to gel. Like, we saw the first game or so of the season, communication issues. Yeah, that's taking time to gel, right? And we we knew there'd be some lapses. I mean, shoot, the, the first game of the year, the spacing was horrendous on offense, and that improved by the second game. Like, it wasn't something I noticed... As much, really, is just that first game and everyone was packed in trying to figure out where to go, where to be. Um, I get that. Yeah. But effort should be there all the time. Yes. And there's not effort all the time in there for India. I don't care if you have a whole new roster of players. You can still play hard consistently for 40 minutes, and IU doesn't play hard for 40 minutes. They have talented dudes that buy into their star power that are lazy. I mean, McKenzie and Baco's got to decide if he wants to play defense because he's not going to be on the floor much. And you know what? If, if that's what it's going to be. Well, that's the thing, too, is Mike Woodson can keep talking about that, but until he actually sends a message to him and benches him, then it's not going to go through. I, I mean, I, I just... I, I, the higher Mike Woodson got so many people excited, the only reason it got people excited was because he has Indiana ties. That's it. And 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 oh, we can, they, uh, you can get people to the NBA. Who cares? Who cares? Isn't it? Shouldn't it be about success at Indiana, not being able to get guys to the league? Did 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 Bobby Knight ever worry about getting guys to the league? Whether you love him or hate him, he was all about development at the college level. 
Who cares about what happens afterwards? We, we mentioned it when, during his passing. One player of consequence got to the NBA with success. Isaiah Thomas. Yep. That's it. But now the, the hype around Indiana is they're going to recruit guys that can get to the NBA. Who cares? Don't you want to win basketball games at the college level in March? I use incapable of doing that with Mike Woodson. So I don't buy into the O oh, ten new players. They're, they're lazy and they have no accountability. It, it would be one thing if they were still having a lot of communication issues like we saw in the first game. That's not the case. Um, the, the, the issue is, like you said, it's effort and they're not playing hard enough, plain and simple. And I think that starts with, with Trey Galloway and it starts with Xavier Johnson they're not setting the tone. No, not at all. And when Xavier Johnson said, "Oh, we need to practice harder," that's on you. Uh, that's on you, senior leader. Like you, that should never be said. You should be making sure everyone's practicing hard enough. It should never. That should never have been a quote. I think that quote told me all I needed to know about this team this year. That yeah, they have the talent to maybe win twenty plus games and get a tournament bid. Whoop de doo. They're not going to do anything because they don't play hard enough. And you have Mackenzie Mbako and Khalil Ware, and mostly Mbako from what we've seen is. He's, his eyes just, are on the NBA. Just, I mean, that yeah, he just, just takes plays off. Yeah, he's just like, I, I don't care. Xavier Johnson, he can try to tell me what to do. Whatever, I'm going to the NBA. What do I care? <laughs> well, he's not going to the NBA with the way he's playing so far. Oh, he'll find a spot somewhere because it's all about potential and size, and he has it, but he's just lazy. And unfortunately, that game fits in the NBA. You can take possessions off in the NBA. That's why I hate the NBA. One of the reasons. Uh, someone else uh, texting in Allen is in Tom Allen, Mike Woodson and Dolson all need to go pathetic. Yeah, we'll, we'll get to IU football uh, coming up in just a bit. Uh, another quick note, Purdue Fort Wayne, they won the Arizona tip off. They improved to five and zero, their best start and Purdue Gonzaga today. So you have IU today against Louisville. This is the, the consolation game in the empire classic, a Louisville oh, team. You imagine that, if they lose to Louisville, right? I don't even want to imagine that, uh, but a Louisville team, that gave Texas a run for their money. In they fact, did. only lost by a point. Texas a ranked team. So IU can't just show up and think they're going to win. But uh, that game tip at 430 on WoWo 92.3 FM for IU. Meanwhile, Purdue and the Mallee Invitational 4 p.m. Uh, will be the pregame and tip at 5 p.m. against Gonzaga for the Boilers in game number one today here on 1380 The Fan and 100.9 FM in the Maui Invitational from Honolulu. Yes, because of the wildfires yes. last year. They're not playing in Maui. But at least it's back in Hawaii this year. Yes. Coming up on the other side, Purdue and IU stumbling into the old oak and bucket game, just like old times. Blown opportunities. The, those two words basically sum up the seasons for Purdue and IU. That's next. Caleb and Kenny in the morning, 1380 The Fan and 100.9 FM. Caleb and Kenny in the morning here on a Monday, 1380 The Fan, 100.9 FM, 46862 is how you reach us on the text line. Again, 46862. Just put in CK before your message. You can also stream us, 1380thefan.com, on the free 1380thefan app or on your smart speaker as well. That is free to listen to. Uh, Saturday, college football, Purdue and IU. Same old, same old. Uh, For for the Boilers, you knew it was going to be trouble from the start because Hudson Card was out. Nick Scorton, who going into the game led the Big Ten in sacks, he was out. I never saw like what the injuries were. Did, did you ever see? I didn't see like a, a report that said what those were. They they were just I mean, listed they were, like, as out. Disclosed. Yeah, they were listed as out on the injury list, and still haven't 
heard what's wrong with Hudson Card. I mean, is this a yeah. guy that's going to be available for the old Oak and Bucket game? Uh, same with Nick Scorton, but the 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 important one is Hudson Card. I mean, Scorton is important too, but if you don't have your QB one, you're in trouble. Yeah, but no so it, indications, and there was no indications. Make no mistake about anything leading up to Saturday's mm-hmm. game. So, so you knew they were in trouble going in. I, I mean, with, without those guys, you knew that was not not ideal. And for uh, a Purdue team going up against Northwestern, they played it close for a while. You felt like the game was getting away from them for a bit, and then they they rallied back, had a chance at the end. But it, it really for Purdue just came down to the fact that they couldn't convert on fourth and ones in the first half. They were twice stopped on fourth and, and short plays in, in Northwestern territory. You got to convert on those. And uh, to me, the the short yardage failures for a team that running the football, they had success and, and they should have had more success. Um, that, that to me is what really hurt them because yeah, you, you ran for, for over 300 yards, but you couldn't convert when it mattered most. And that was the big thing for Purdue and and not being able to get stops too in the second half was huge. But when you look at not being able to execute, third downs were troublesome, particularly in that second half. Fourth down to two and two, just two for five. I mean, outgained Northwestern by over a hundred yards in this game. And you mentioned it, success on the ground, averaging over five and a half yards per run. Four turnovers. Once again, you look at Purdue is, okay, where did they lose this game? Four turnovers. Two lost fumbles. Two interceptions thrown. I know your backup quarterback is in. You have to be better at protecting the football if you're Purdue. Yeah, Hudson Card not in, but still turnovers by quarterbacks. Ryan Brown and Bennett Meredith split the reps on Saturday. There are some positives, but also some obvious negatives with, with Brown throwing two picks. He tried to help the Boilers, but again, it's turnovers killed you in this one. And for Purdue, they dropped to three and eight, a season that we thought would be a bowl team so far from it. And Northwestern ends up being the bowl team. Never would have guessed that going into the season. But Purdue 90th in the country in turnover margin. It's hurt them all season long. And once again, it did on Saturday, just forced a single turnover and interception of Ben Bryant for Northwestern but Purdue now three and eight I guess they can save some face by beating Indiana next week but uh, it's just another typical oak and bucket game that outside of Bloomington and West Lafayette does anybody care yeah it, outside of those two fan bases it doesn't mean anything it's just bragging rights and and it's back to where you know it used to be Sadly, just I guess you have a disappointing season, but you get the oaken bucket at the end of the year. I guess if that makes you feel better heading into the season, uh, the off season, more power to you. Meanwhile, uh, for, Indiana was a little bit Indiana, more exciting. Yeah, it was at least exciting. Came down to the very end. I went for it on on fourth and one uh, late in the game, converted. Then they had a, another opportunity. They throw to the end zone on third and one. I, I guess you take a shot. And then uh, there's an intentional grounding call. Well, they get the fourth and one. Yes. They convert it. And so on the next play, 
that's when they throw. And there, it's a miscommunication. EJ Williams is nowhere to be found. And it's called an intentional grounding. And was it the right call? I think that's the debate was what the right call. Granted, the rule says if you throw the ball into the vicinity where nobody is there, it's an intentional grounding. But there was no pressure either. It was clear he wasn't throwing the ball away to get rid of the ball. So uh, according, go, according to the rule, like there's no intentional grounding penalty if the quarterback throws the ball where he expects his receiver to be. Yes. And there's, like you said, there was no pressure. So w- w- was it the right call? No. But the real issue is IU let Michigan State go right down the field late in this one after holding a four-point lead, and they put themselves in position to have to kick a game-tying field goal, which IU got that opportunity, but they missed it uh, from 49 yards out. So I guess to me, it, it this to me felt like it was more on the defense failing to get a stop late. Yeah, I mean, you give up a touchdown with 79 seconds to go on a long drive. That That to me was the issue. I get that the grounding penalty was probably the wrong call, but you leave it up to chance uh, with a long field goal. It's 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 probably not not the best no. way to go. And here's the difference between good teams and not so good teams. So uh, regional round for Snyder. Okay, they're down late against Mishawaka, and uh, they were ahead late. It was eighteen sixteen. Let's take you back. The defense when it needed a stop, preventing Mishawaka from scoring a touchdown. Force them to kick a field goal and they go up. Okay, they go up two. Uh, that then make the, the field goal makes it eighteen sixteen. So the defense does its job in the sense that it doesn't give up a touchdown. The offense then does his job by working the way down the field to set up a makeable field goal for the kicker. So offense does its job, and then Mang Tung came through with the forty five yard field goal as time expired. So within a couple minutes, the defense, offense, and special teams, all three facets, came through for Snyder. Snyder's a good team. Now you look at Indiana-Michigan State. Start with the defense. Don't get the stop late in the game. Okay, Allows Michigan State to go ahead. The offense doesn't execute because it the, the wide receiver runs the wrong route, miscommunication somehow between Soresby and E.J. Williams, that while the, the call probably shouldn't have been called, is a miscommunication and it's a failure on the offensive side. And then you miss the 48-yard field goal to tie. So within... 79 seconds at the end of the game, the Indiana defense fails to to do its job, the Indiana offense fails to do its job, and the Indiana special teams fails to do its job. Snyder executed in all three facets late. That's why they're going to state. Indiana does not execute in any of the three facets, and that's why they're three and eight. And why they don't have the old brass platoon right now. And and at this point, who knows who's going to win that turd of a game next Saturday. (laughs) Uh, and does it really matter? I guess it matters to have the thing, but in the big scheme of things, it really doesn't. So when you look at Indiana and, and IU fans will say about the erroneous uh, call for, for intentional grounding, I understand that. But the fact of the matter is your defense didn't execute, your offense didn't execute, and your special teams didn't execute when it counted. And that is why Indiana is Indiana. I, I couldn't have said it any better. <laughs> like, uh, y- y- you're not wrong. I mean, everything there is correct. And for Indiana, again, Purdue, we thought they'd have a, a chance to do something this year. And Hudson Card was a turnover machine. It, it was clear they weren't going to, to get to a bowl game pretty early on. IU, they looked awful. Then get that upset win against Wisconsin. And it's set up where they could get themselves to play into bowl position. And they lose in overtime against Illinois. They lose late against Michigan State. And now the bucket game doesn't matter. No, I mean they, they had their chances. 
other than oh the seniors can win their final look and bucket game okay blah 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 like in the landscape of college football as we enter the last week of the regular season it's a complete afterthought the Oak and Bucket game, other than Purdue and IU fans, and I can imagine a fair amount of those don't care. <laughs> this text is awesome. Uh, someone texted it in. Text keyword thankful to 46862 if you're glad you no longer have to hear Caleb and Kenny talk about <laughs> pathetic IU and Purdue football after this weekend. Yes. Um, I would, <laughs> trust us. We're thankful we won't have to talk about Indiana Just one and more. football. And the best part is they're playing each other, so we don't have to break down two yes, separate sloppy just games. One game. Just one and it's a short week, so we may not even talk much about it this week because of the irrelevance of get, earning that trophy. Because at least, at the very least, you know there was a, a, a stretch there where this game, if somebody won, they were going to make bowl eligibility. Somebody yes. would be sitting at five wins. And that was something. But now it, neither one of them are, and you're just playing for a bucket with a bunch of uh, medallions hanging off it. I guess if that's what gets you up for a game. Meanwhile, other teams are trying to to make a college football playoff. You're you're competing for a bucket. Coming up on the other side, we'll wrap up hour number one. Notre Dame and Sam Hartman roll past Wake Forest on Senior Day. Interesting stats for the Irish, not just in this one, but also what they've done on the season. And we'll give a grade for Sam Hartman. That's next. Caleb and Kenny in the morning, thirteen eighty the fan and one hundred point nine FM. Final time here in hour number one, Caleb and Kenny in the morning, 1380 The Fan and 100.9 FM. Uh, Again, don't actually text thankful to 46862. That was said in jest. I guess that gets you entered into another station's contest. Yeah, it's a K105 (laughs) contest of thankful. So we have a CK thankful. That'd be fine. Yeah. But uh, yeah, if you uh, you'll be if you're texting thankful that you don't have to to, to hear about IU and Purdue after this coming weekend as far as on, on in football. Yeah. Make sure you're putting CK in front of it at the very <laughs> least. Uh, meanwhile, Notre Dame. Yeah. The Notre Dame, the dominant performance over Wake Forest. The, the score ended up being what you expected. The first half, though, was a very slow start for the Irish. Sam Hartman did throw for four touchdowns in this one. He looked pretty good. You got to see some some younger guys like Eli Raritan get some playing time, get a touchdown. Um, Jordan Faison with another mm-hmm. good game. And Nico Flores, Rico Flores. Rico Flores with... A notable game because Notre Dame finally did something they hadn't done in quite some time. 100-yard receiver? 100-yard receiver. First time since Marcus Freeman's first game as Notre Dame head coach, which was the uh, Fiesta Bowl loss to Oklahoma State. Woof. So that that shows you how long that took for Notre Dame. So notable in that one, but also notable overall for the Irish because I, I think you have three home blowouts. Well, I guess four when you include Tennessee State, but that was a given. Uh, you, you blow out Pitt, you blow out USC, you blow out Wake Forest. And on the year, statistically, Notre Dame averaging 37.5 points per game, which is the highest figure since 1968. Wow. 6.83 yards per play, second all-time at Notre Dame, 10th nationally this season. For all the hand-wringing and frustration over the offense, and rightfully so, yeah. statistically, They've the numbers pretty look pretty good. Now, I think the real issue is we talked about it. You have four blowouts, and then when you're playing tougher opponents, it's been it's been a slog. Well, and, and yeah. how much you know? How much are those numbers impacted by that? Because this is an eight and three football team. This is not a team contending for the college football playoff. And yes, I get fans were excited with Sam Hartman and all that, but I don't think that was realistic 
you'd have to get several breaks. Yeah, you got a break that USC stunk. You also got a break that Clemson uh, was down, but Notre Dame couldn't take advantage. But then you have Louisville and Duke being better than than people would have expected as well. So, I mean, it's it's gone back and forth. The thing with Notre Dame is when we talk about the offense, three of their four lowest scoring games this season were their losses. They they've put up yes forty two against Navy, forty five against NC State, forty one against Central Michigan, forty five against Wake Forest, fifty eight against Pitt. 48 against USC. That's nice and all. But in your losses, you scored 14 points, 20 points, and 23 points. And you have to score more in college football to beat good teams. You couldn't score enough against Ohio State. You couldn't score enough against Louisville. And you couldn't score enough against Clemson. You scored 21 and beat Duke. And and that was the only outlier in terms of your... But other than that... Your losses have have three of your four lowest point totals all season long. So they were able to pad those offensive numbers against bad teams. But when it came against executing offensively against teams that you needed to put up some big points to beat, they weren't able to do it. Well, that's ultimately what comes down to it in the season. I mean, the schedule ended up not being as tough as I think you would have expected going in. I mean, Louisville being the outlier, right? They were a lot better. Than well, anyone would have expected. USC wasn't as good as people thought. Clemson wasn't as good as people thought. So when you looked at those big three e- even games. Even Duke wasn't as good as people yeah. thought they'd be. They've, they've really struggled down the stretch. Part of that due to injuries for, for Riley Leonard. Let's not kid ourselves. Right. He's been healthy the whole year. Doesn't get injured on the last play of the game against Notre Dame. I think it's a, a different looking Duke team. But you, you had opportunities. You had stretches of, of opportunities. So grading Sam Hartman. Like how would you grade this season? him at, at Notre Dame with the expectations that he brought I give him a B minus yeah I was going to go somewhere around that range like a, a B plus the, the, the thing is yes he's put up big numbers in some games but when it's mattered most outside of the Duke game at the end I mean there's just it, there's a lot right. left to be desired outside of the Duke game what game does Notre Dame lose Instead of win with because of him was yeah because of Sam Hartman and that that's it that's the only example uh, yeah because you blew out everybody else the only close win you've had was Duke you've beat up everybody else let's go Navy thirty nine point win Tennessee State fifty three point win NC State twenty one point win C- Central Michigan twenty four point win uh, Duke seven points USC twenty eight point win Pitt fifty one point win Wake Forest. 37, 38 point win. So there really hasn't been any close games. I would say maybe the NC State game, but that game turned more on the delay, in my opinion. Yes. Because that place was rocking early in the game, and then you had to the delay, and it just it sucked all the energy out of the stadium. But outside of the Duke game, which game did Notre Dame win because it had Sam Hartman at quarterback instead of a Sam Angeli? I mean, yes, like you could say, well, they wouldn't have had these blowout wins, and, and perhaps, but he was the difference maker in one game. So, uh, like, I give a, a B plus here, but it, it just it felt like it never reached its full potential. But at the same time, I think the expectations were unrealistic because this is a guy who, yeah, he threw a lot of touchdowns, but it was in a special offense. And when it came to big games for him, at Wake Forest, they were also losing those games. 
right? Louisville, yeah. Clemson. Um, it never beat Clemson in his career, whether it, it, it Wake Forest or Notre Dame. Uh, text coming in. ND would have beaten Ohio State if the defense was all with there with all their guys in the field. No, I disagree. They, the offense yeah. would have scored 14 points. The offense lost that game. The offense you, couldn't put the game away. You can't expect to go into the shoe and win scoring 14 points. You can't. I think the defense played really well that game. Could they have played better? Sure. But the offense really could have played better. And, and that's what it comes down to. Remember, they needed one more first down. That game's over. Yeah. And they couldn't get they it. They couldn't execute. They couldn't do it. So, yeah, for, for the for the hype that was around, maybe it was unfair hype around Sam Hartman. With I, the th- hype I, around I think him. it was unfair. He was not the elite level. Like, yes, he was experienced, but I, I don't think he was an elite level. It's, this isn't Caleb Williams going from Oklahoma to USC. Right. And he, I think that's where had, things got mixed up. He had a lot of stats at a program where he wasn't able to win big games. And that followed him to Notre Dame. Pure and simple. Coming up in hour number two, despite a big lineup, IU has a huge problem in one particular category. Well, besides effort and coaching. Uh, We'll get to that next. Plus, Notre Dame announces their NBC extension. Why a certain year is key in all of this. And the NCAA president is even on board with an obvious solution in this Michigan scandal. We'll get to all that and more in hour number two. Caleb and Kenny in the morning, 1380 The Fan and 100.9 FM. Hour number two, Caleb and Kenny in the morning here on a Monday. Caleb Hatch, Justin Kinney with you. Thanks for joining us. Coming up this hour on the show, IU falling to UConn in Madison Square Garden, a glaring problem that continues to show up for the Hoosiers. And no, we're not talking about effort. It's something... In the stat category, the IU's got to fix. Plus, Notre Dame announces an NBC extension. Why the years on this contract is critical for the next round of college football conference realignment. And the NCAA president has an obvious solution in the Michigan scandal. We'll get to that. Plus, uh, a sad update on the cocaine hippos in Columbia. We'll get to that at the end of the show as well. 46862 is how you reach us on the text line. 46862. Uh, don't forget, you can also stream us, 1380thefan.com, on the free 1380thefan app or on your smart speaker as well. All right, so IU, blowout loss to UConn. That really not surprising. IU did play well the first 10 to 12 minutes of this game, then it seemed like the wheels fell off. But the real issue for IU outside of, of course, effort, which has been a season-long issue, has been rebounding. UConn had 15 offensive rebounds. IU just 22 total in this game. IU doubled up uh, by UConn overall uh, on rebounds. And and Mike Woodson joked about this in the game against Wright State after the game, saying, you know, I could get a rebound at 65 years old. Well, Xavier Johnson and Trey Galloway had a combined three rebounds for that game. They combined for just one against the Huskies. This continues to be a problem, and it goes back to the overarching problem of this team, which, of course, is effort. It does, because offensive rebounding predominantly is about effort and positioning and just tells me that guys aren't crashing the boards. Mentioned Trey Galloway and Xavier Johnson. I know Xavier Johnson was in foul trouble and coming off that undisclosed injury that we saw earlier in the week and still only gathered a, a combined two rebounds for those two dudes. And it can't just be Khalil Ware and Malik Renew in terms of getting rebounding. 
Well, and Malik Renew only had three rebounds, and of course, he fouled out as well. So there are just a lot of issues when it comes to effort plays, and, and that's ultimately the the problem is that the effort shows up in these categories, like rebound, where it's just simply not there. And UConn, yes, did, did UConn play a really physical style of basketball in the first half of this game? Absolutely. Did they get away with some calls? Probably. But also, they had a lot more effort, way more hustle. They have a team that is coached that goes after the basketball. IU simply does not do that. They have no desire to do that, and that's been why they have struggled early on this season. You look at Dan Hurley, just the ability to command elite talent, but also getting that elite talent to play hard. And that's the missing link for Mike Woodson. He can recruit elite talent. How does he get them to play hard? And maybe he can uh, ask Dan Hurley how he does that because Mike Woodson's not getting that from his team. It's it's really looking like this team of Indiana is a similar team to last year without Trace Jackson Davis. Trace Jackson Davis was the bona fide number one dude on that team last year. At times could put the team on his back, all the cliches, all that stuff. This team just doesn't have that. But it's still having the same issues that those teams had. But you had Trace Jackson Davis the last two years to lean on. Now you don't. And now, so now what? I mean, you, you get out rebounded 44 to 22 yesterday. So not just offensive rebounding, rebounding in general. You had 18 defensive rebounds. Talking about Indiana, UConn had 15 offensive rebounds. They only had three less offensive rebounds than Indiana had defensive rebounds. Again, that's effort. Ware had eight. He did his part. The next highest three by Renew. And he nobody, fouled out. And nobody else had more than one. Three-point shooting. Three of 13 yesterday. Bad UConn went, went seven of 22, which wasn't great, but, I mean, they they made them when it mattered. And that, that's the other thing with IU. So there are, are so many issues when it comes to to rebounding and effort and all those things tie into this overarching problem um, <laughs> when, it, when it comes to effort. And it's just, it's not getting better. And an interesting stat with, with UConn in this team. Maybe IU should have seen this coming. UConn in 21 non-conference games since the start of last season, 21-0. and 0. Hmm, Not too bad. All 21 wins by double digits, 15 by 20 plus. They trail for just a total of 53 seconds in the second halves of those games. So UConn has been dominant playing non-conference opponents. That did not change at all yesterday. Uh, CK, new drinking game. Take a drink every time Caleb and Kenny say effort when talking about IU basketball. I think you could play it. Mike Woodson could probably play that too in his post-game press conferences, but it goes on him and not being able to get his team to play with grit and hustle and an effort, quite frankly. There's just, it's not there. And it's a testament to your coaching, positive or negative, your attributes of your team. And the attributes of the Indiana Hoosiers under Mike Woodson is just talent, not effort. Not desire to put everything in to try to achieve a goal. And yesterday was just the most recent example of that. And what the more frustrating thing is you play a team with with elite talent that does hustle. So it can be done. 
But Mike Woodson seemingly not the guy to push the right buttons. And I fall back too. He's an NBA guy. This is what the NBA ba- NBA basketball is. It's taking plays off. It's taking games off. You're seeing that with the Hoosiers. It's it's going to be the problem with the ent- the entire tenure of Mike Woodson, in my opinion. Yeah, and and until we see an example of that changing, I just don't think it's it's going to get better. And for this team, again, effort whether it's on defense or rebounds, again, that's a problem. And, and the other thing is, IU based on minutes played, according to Ken Palm, they have the sixth tallest lineup in the country, and you're not getting rebounds, and you and you get out rebounded by twenty two. Inexcusable. Inexcusable. Four six eight six two. The text line number four six eight six two. We'll we'll continue to harp on effort until as long it as changes. It's an issue. Yeah, and this is the thing. Mike Woodson can say everything he wants in the post game press conferences. Once again, talking about effort and talking about lack of defense and talk about guys doing this, that, and the other. But until there's tangible punishment for these guys, Mackenzie Ibaka, another twenty three minutes yesterday. Twenty three minutes, two points. Only made two free throws. 23 minutes, two points, one rebound, one assist. Why is he playing even 23 minutes? He's not bringing you anything. Nothing. He's definitely not bringing you defensive effort. I mean, he got called out consistently on the broadcast yesterday by Jay Williams for his defensive stance. And every time they'd show it, he'd just be kind of standing around. And Jay Williams, it was interesting, too, because in catching the pregame and talking about and we brought up Mackenzie and Baco, and he talked about his his lack of effort, but then talked about him being an NBA prospect. I'd switch that around. I'd say, yeah, he may be an NBA prospect, but he has no desire to play hard on defense. None. And that needs to be talked about more and more. I don't care what his NBA prospects are. No, neither should anybody else. IU fans were excited because they were getting a guy with NBA prospects. Who cares? What's he doing in Bloomington? So far, not much. At least last year with Jalen Hood Shafino, he was bringing you something. And he got thrust into into a role being the team's point guard for a majority of the season that he didn't expect to be in. And yes, there were growing pains, but he figured it out, right? And I always felt like Jalen Hood Shafino was trying his best. Yes. There and- were games where he had terrible shooting performances when IU needed him to, to do more. That's because, again, when you don't have Xavier Johnson, more was put on him and... A lot of the times he came through, but some of the time, like the the tournament loss to Miami, he did not. He was at least trying, and and that that's why there was a growth period there for freshmen, and why some people are saying, "Well, it's a team with ten new players, give them time." No, because they're, they're it's not they're not falling short because they don't know where they're supposed to be, or they're still getting used to each other. They're falling short because they have no desire to try hard for forty minutes. Ian, I think that the next question is, when is this effort question going to be put on Mike Woodson? Because why can't he get his guys to Are we the only ones doing it? He can keep saying this stuff, but when's somebody going to ask the questions like, isn't this an indictment on you? It it should be. As a coach? To not able to get... And this isn't a four-game problem for Indiana right now. This is a two-plus season problem for Indiana under Mike Woodson. IU-Louisville, the consolation game of the Empire Classic this afternoon... Uh, you can listen to it all on our sister station, WoWo 92.3 FM. Tip time in that one, uh, approximately 4.30 uh, for that. Coming up on the other side, Notre Dame announces an extension with NBC. Why 2030 is key in college football 
future realignment. That's next. Caleb and Kenny in the morning, 1380 The Fan and 100.9 FM. Caleb and Kenny in the morning here on 1380 The Fan, 100.9 FM, 46862 is the text line number 46862. Someone saying, I'd rather watch Purdue-Fort Wayne than the Hoosiers. Well, they're Undefeated giving you effort. Dons, they're 5 They and play hard, yep. Arizona tip-off uh, champion winners, and they'll play the Dons. will play the Dons, the San Francisco Dons, coming up Wednesday night, 9 o'clock tip here on 1380 The Fan and 100.9 FM. Someone else, uh, last segment, Caleb and Kenny said effort 58 times. <laughs> I believe it. Very nice. I, we'll I mean, have to look beat at, that next time. I, I get we're being repetitive here, but I don't know what else to say. Effort is the word. Effort, effort, And the lack effort. of effort is the problem for IU basketball so far this season. Uh, meanwhile, back in college football, Notre Dame announced an extension with NBC. The TV deal extended through 2029. Notre Dame and NBC have been partners since 1991. Now, no, no terms released of the deal beyond just the years. Not sure on how much money, but one would venture to guess. So the, the current TV deal paying around, what, $25 million a year. Notre Dame would have to, at minimum, double that to be competitive in the college football landscape moving forward because they're getting about $17 million a year from, from the ACC. So, again, they'd have to double that to be competitive, and my guess is NBC is willing to pay the money. Why? Because Notre Dame on NBC going into Wake, the Wake Forest game averaged 5.1 million viewers this season. That's behind only Colorado, Alabama, and Ohio State. Mm. So, again, a lot of that boosted by, of course, the Ohio State game, but also USC at home as well as another key metric. And and for Notre Dame, I mean, it's still a draw on TV, and NBC clearly likes where that is going. Now, what this means moving forward, this is where it gets a little murky. Because you look at where these TV deals expire. So Notre Dame, this through 2029. All right, the Big Ten, their current their their deal, which technically started this year, really starts in full next year, though, uh, expires in 2030. The Big 12 in 2031. The SEC in 2034. The ACC in 2036, which that's why Florida State, Miami, North Carolina, and North Carolina State have all looked to leave <laughs> because it's such a long deal and they're not making good money. So... The key thing here for Notre Dame, they'll be able to negotiate another rights deal ahead of all the other major conferences. Now, do you feel it's amazing what can happen in six years between 2023 and 2029? Do you think this is maybe the swan song of a stretch for Notre Dame to be independent? Could you see that going heading into 2030 and beyond that that be a catalyst? Um, because their deal runs out before the others, I feel like there could be one more deal unless ratings really fall off. And then like, cause the obvious move is to join the big Ten, right? You, you right. already have a lot of your but I rivals know, already there. I don't necessarily know that the, the, the ratings have to fall off to join the big Ten. So you think this could be it just no matter what? even if ratings are strong. Yeah, I just, the landscape of college football, if it changes to the point where Notre Dame, and especially the money, the money's not going to need any less over the next six years. Did we have any details on that, the money that they're making on the new extension? Is that released? No, that never was released. So what do you think? They could, I don't see NBC paying over, what would you say, 40 million a year? 
for Notre Dame, I, I, I right? Mean, to, to me, for it to be competitive, they need to be making 50-plus. Well, that's what, I, that's what I'm saying. If they made 40, they're still, that's less, that's half the what teams in the Big Ten are getting. $80 million yeah. a year. So, yeah, is even 50, it's $30 million that people will say, well, Notre Dame's got plenty of money, but $30 million is a hell of a lot of money. So, I just don't see this as being a ratings thing. I see it as being a competitive balance and cash flow. And if the Big Ten continues to up the ante, then it's going to be inevitable. Especially if there is some sort of scenario where Notre Dame is either cheated out of a bowl or a college football playoff or impacted negatively in the college football playoff outside of them not hosting a first round or guaranteeing a first round game because they're not going to be in the top four. Something like that happening could force Notre Dame's hand by the end of the decade. And maybe that's why the setup is as it is. Yeah, I, I think to me that's that's why they they have a, a deal that I, I think the length is probably ideal because again, you give yourself negotiation before, so whether the market falls off or whether the market keeps going up, which I continue to be shocked that the mar- the, the bubble has not burst when it comes to sports TV rights, right? At some point, it's going to. At some, at some point, point, it will. And somebody's going to get absolutely screwed over when it happens. But I don't think it's going to be Notre Dame. Probably not. And, and them having the opportunity to negotiate ahead of all the other conferences, to me, feels like a major win. Yeah, we'll just see how it develops. Uh, CK, could the Irish replace the Hoosiers in the Big Ten? Here, Here's something that I think is part of a, another discussion, and that's, you know, at, at what point... So we see teams changing conferences. Do we see teams getting kicked out of conferences? Because it feels like that's next. And I know people say, oh, that will never happen. I used to think it would never happen, but... I don't as, believe that. As expansion continues, I just don't know the legalese of that. I, I, it would have to be incredibly difficult to kick a, a university out of a conference. It would have to be. I almost think it'd be easier to f- form another conference and just leave that team, that, that program out. But I don't know about all the legalese and stuff. I have to imagine it's not easy. But, no, I, I don't think so. But you look at Purdue and IU and the new Big Ten. I mean, at some point, these conferences, football is everything. And at some point, you'd think putting together a competitive football product is going to be more important than it has been. Because football is, is the moneymaker. And, and not just more important for the universities, but for, for the conference itself. You know, do they want teams that are less than and they're very football. much less than it just that seems to me a, a concern moving forward I, again like you said the legalese of it that's where it gets tricky but it wouldn't shock me if we start to see pressure on underperforming teams at least in football in these conferences with realignment and because again there's a lot of money on the line here but i do think as long as those leagues are getting their full uh, money. Let's let's look at the Big Ten. Easy to say. Well, you could kick Rutgers out, for example. But as long as the Big Ten is consistently getting multiple teams in the playoff, and not just the fourteen playoff, but the twelve team playoff, and they have a team competing for a national championship, like they've had with Ohio State, then they're content. If you're like an ACC, for example, and let's say hypothetically the ACC, a couple of those teams leave. Let's say Florida and State and Clemson, for for sake of argument, leave. And then the ACC has an opportunity to add Notre Dame, but 
it doesn't have the quote-unquote space, could you see them trying to kick a team out of the ACC to add Notre Dame? Probably. But as long as your top end is performing and nationally relevant, like the Big Ten has with two, two programs and at least a one more with Oregon coming in, not sold on USC, not sold on Washington to be a consistent contender. And Penn State was forever going to go 10-2. and two. Yes, with two losses to Michigan and, and Ohio State. Then they're happy. They're content. They couldn't care less what happens at the bottom as long as the top is in the national eye and playing for national titles. So that's what I think is the important thing. Whereas, you know, you have the ACC where you have Florida State and Clemson and then a bunch of teams. Well, those teams leave, then they're in a precarious spot. And they're already in a bad spot because their TV deal runs through 2036. Man, I don't know who signed that deal. Yeah, it, it did not age well at all. Uh, it's it's like one of those mega contracts in baseball, you know, for 15 years or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Does not look good in hindsight. 46862, the text line number 46862. Um, I am Purdue gets a ride the Big Ten money train regardless of the records. Yeah. I, I mean, for now, I, I don't know. I just, it feels like that could be the next shoe to drop in realignment is that conferences booting teams because again it's all about football yeah and if you can't field a good enough football product i think there start to be issues and it wouldn't shock me look you could say well conferences aren't aren't out there to to get rid of teams and alienate you know traditions yes they are they're out there for money yeah money and and the text or two it's an interesting question or an interesting point with IU and Purdue get to ride the big men, big 10 money train, regardless of their recruits. Let's look at Indiana, for example, because we say, well, they need to invest more in their football program. But then conversely, you could say, Oh, we don't really need to. We're still banking all this money because we're part of the big 10 and we don't necessarily need to spend a lot of money. So it makes sense to give Tom Allen $20 million to get rid of that contract, but they could also be looking like, Hey, we're getting $80 million whether we win three games or 10 games. So why do we? Why should we spend money? Because we don't really necessarily need to to make a lot of money. Well, and, and on the flip side, you, you would say, well, with all that Big Ten TV contract money coming in starting you know, next year, you can go out and spend more money to, to get a better coach. I get that. Well, I, you do it, though. I have my doubts. I do, too. And until the, the the school administration sees football as a valuable thing that they need to, to pull off and have success, we're talking go to bowl games, right? We're not talking... Yeah, we're not talking about national team. We're no. not asking for much here. I mean, Kansas has figured it out, right? Yep. Um, Duke and, has figured it out. And they kept taking big swings. North Kansas. Carolina's figured it out. Meanwhile, I used it down there just uh, an afterthought. 46862 again is the text line number. Coming up on the other side, uh, from TV contracts to sign stealing, the NCAA president has the obvious solution in the Michigan scandal. That is next. Caleb and Kenny in the morning, 1380 The Fan and 100.9 FM. Caleb and Kenny in the morning. Caleb Hatch, Justin Kenny, thanks for being with us on a Monday. 46862 is how you reach us on the text line this morning. Uh, a couple of texts really in for our discussion last segment about Notre Dame TV contracts. Notre Dame extends with NBC through 2029. And with the next round of conference realignment, will there be, you know, will we eventually see teams getting the boot 
in leagues. And again, legally, that comes down to contracts beyond our pay grades as far as that. But uh, someone texting in, no need to put a competitive team on the field if you still get that cheddar. You still get the amount of money, whether you win three games or yeah, eight games. That that is what You'd it comes like down to. I'd like to hope you'd want some self-respect and wanting to achieve some individual things, some program goals, going to bowl games, winning bowl games, stuff like that. But you have a hard time convincing me that Indiana Athletics Department is serious about football. And it just seems to me like they'll just keep cashing those checks from the Big Ten. Yeah. That, and focusing on a basketball team that continues to over, underachieve. That seems to be the the issue overall, and and if that changes, maybe right. You you believe something could could be better, but just if, if they don't have a reason to, you know, if they don't have a reason to, it's going to be the way it is. Yeah, they'll just keep being hyper focused on basketball. Uh, meanwhile, NCAA President Charlie Baker has some thoughts on the Michigan scandal. Now he refused to comment on the investigation. But he did say he wants to restart talks of helmet radio technology. Huh. Saying he wants to get it back on the agenda. Again, this comes after Michigan fired uh, their linebackers coach on Friday, backed off the hardline stance on the Harbaugh suspension. And they also kept moving flags on the sidelines Saturday against Maryland. Did you see that? I did see that. Ugh. Just just ridiculous. But, but here's the thing. The NCAA can fix this if they want. And... And he kind of went into, Baker went into the whole thing of, well, they're spending so much money on this. There's no reason we we can't revisit this. And and with the way things have, have changed, that, yeah, we could probably find a way to get helmet radio technology. I could, I will see it. I, I think we'll, year, we'll I, really I think do. we'll see it change. And here's, take care of this problem and we can move forward. And here's my thing is they'll be, well, they got to make sure everybody can do it. No, why? Why? If, 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 uh, if Northern Illinois has a problem, they can't figure out the technology, then that's on them. Just allow it and let each, each program figure it out. And, and Baker even went on to say, he said, I, I'm looking forward to having a conversation, at least with the, the power five conferences, uh, trying to create a framework and a structure around the helmet technology. So, that would mean that the programs with the most resources would be required to have it. Those without would not be, which I think is more than fair. I would agree. So it can't be a thing where, well, we have to make sure everybody can do it before we adopt it. No, not at all. That shouldn't be a thing. So uh, I, I think we'll see some movement. I think we'll see this happen. Like you said, for next year, it just, it seems to make too much sense. And if the NCAA wants to take care of something that this whole scandal is just, Yes, it's against the rules, but it it kind of feels similar to the, the Kelvin Sampson thing where you couldn't send, you know, so many text messages, right? Right. But and, and this kind of feels like it's just an outdated rule. Yeah. It's, it's a rule. It's still a rule, but it's but outdated. It's an outdated rule. How does this impact Michigan? It hasn't impacted them thus far. Got to give them credit for that. Penn State, Maryland won both games reasonably convincing fashion. No Jim Harbaugh heading into the Ohio State game this Saturday at noon. How does that affect them? And we were talking about it off air. Can, can, can Michigan beat Ohio State without Jim Harbaugh on the sidelines? I think they can. I, I think Michigan has proven over the last couple of weeks that they're better than people gave them credit for, myself included. 
We, we talked about it. We wanted to see Michigan over the final three games of the season, how they looked. They've looked pretty good the last two weeks. And it's been mostly, while the offense hasn't had as much success, the defense has still been very, very, very good. J.J. McCarthy's kind of taken a step back the last couple of weeks because he was an outside you know, Heisman candidate if he could go crazy over the final three weeks of the season. Hasn't done that, but Michigan has won. But do we feel when you look at it, Michigan can go 12-0 and by knocking off Ohio State for the third straight time? And, and that ultimately is is what it comes down to is is Michigan good enough like to, to get it? I, I don't know. I have my doubts because Michigan did not look very good against Maryland. It's a tough... I, mean, I mean, but the game before the game, right? You, you just got to get through it. Yeah. And in Michigan, they got through it. But J.J. McCarthy has not played well in, in a, a couple straight weeks either. So you feel there's a better chance for Ohio State than yes. I'm giving them a chance, or than I'm giving I, them. I for. believe there is a much better chance. Look to to beat your rival three straight years in a row. This isn't some lopsided rivalry, right? We're not talking. Uh, I'm trying to think like uh, Kentucky, Tennessee, or you right. know F- Florida, and and someone you know. Th- this is Snyder Northrop. Yeah, <laughs> these are two elite level programs and have been for for many years, and I just don't think. Uh, to me, Harbaugh not being there, to me, this this feels like more of an issue than people are, are going to realize. I just, I don't buy that it's it's an easy, easy thing. Well, I think when you get into, this is where it could have an impact. If this game is close in the second half, where it comes down to making decisions and judgments and, and this, that, and the other, that the head coach makes, that's where I think it could have a, a, a serious impact. When you're looking at the interim head coach for Michigan and is he in a position and can he make and push the right buttons and do all the things that he needs to do to ensure that Michigan beats Ohio State down the stretch in a close game as opposed to opposite the field with Ryan Day? Can he be the guy that makes the right decisions? I don't know. Maybe he can. Maybe it's not even close. Maybe Michigan coasts by a couple scores. But if in the clutch, if this game is close, does that give the edge to Ohio State without Jim Harbaugh out there? You feel it could. I, I think it does. Yeah. Um, to me, you have two quarterbacks who are pretty good, but they're not they're not elite level quarterbacks at least yet. I, I get there's a lot of hype for JJ McCarthy saying he's going to be you know a first round pick. I just I don't. Yes, he may be a first round pick, but he feels like a reach. Right. He, he's not a finished product. Uh, CJ Stroud last year was a finished product. JJ McCarthy is not. And then Kyle McCord first year as a starter. Yeah. He's shown flashes, but again, neither of these guys are elite as in right now. Could they develop into those guys? Yes, they could, but they're not right now. Uh, you have elite defenses though. You have elite wide receiver. You have elite players at pretty much every other position. Right. And I just don't think that Michigan can waltz through this. Yes. It's a home game, but without Harbaugh, like I, I think, there will be an impact there, and I think we'll see it play out. It's going to be tough to Ohio State to go into that environment and win, but if they can keep it close late, will the uh, decided advantage for Ohio State at the head coaching spot be the difference? I don't know. We'll see. You think it could be? I, I'm, I'm not so sure. I'm not sold on Ohio State either. I'm not sold on either one of them, to be frank. When it comes to Georgia, but Georgia right now is just kind of in a class of its own. 
Yes. Well, in 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 Georgia, Georgia Alabama continues to be more of a fascinating matchup each and every week because that SEC title game matchup, Georgia will finally have someone that can even be close to their level that they will play. In theory, Alabama. Well, they would they play Chattanooga. They had that yeah, tough game yeah. against they Chattanooga. Have, they have Auburn this week. Auburn coming off a loss to New Mexico State. Really, I missed that. Yes, Auburn Ooh. lost to New Mexico State. Woof. And they're you know the SEC has their tune up week where a at lot least of the they're teams, playing an FBS. Yeah, true. I'll give them that. True. They should be the ones playing Chattanooga. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, the uh, the warm up week, and they lost to uh, to New Mexico State. Coming up on the other side. Uh, some sad news in regards to the cocaine hippos in Columbia. We'll wrap up the show with that on the other side here on Caleb and Kenny in the morning, 1380 The Fan and 100.9 FM. Final time here on a Monday, Caleb and Kenny in the morning, 1380 The Fan, 100.9 FM. Several texts uh, in regards to Michigan uh, that rolled in uh, at the end of that last segment. 46862 is how you reach us. Uh, CK, Ohio State and Michigan need bad teams, the Big Ten, to beat annually to give them a shot the college football playoffs every year. Also, you act like Purdue is some stellar football team, unlike IU. They both suck. Yeah, that is that is true. But I think Purdue has at least invested some more money, I think, yes. into the football program. Oh, with I the mean, recent we, renovations and everything. We've seen that. I mean, Russell, And IU is adding a football-only weight room, which, um, how is that even possible that they're just now getting they just don't, don't have that? They got to improve their indoor practice facility next. Yeah, and a ugly-ass stadium. Yeah, that has no character. No, none. It has the character of Memorial Stadium, the old Wizard Stadium. It's terrible. <laughs> uh, a couple thoughts on Michigan-Ohio State. Uh, Michigan will roll the Buckeyes way too much juice this week. We'll see. Yeah, I know one of the texters calling out Ohio State. Like Ohio State's proven. They've won national titles. And yeah. with the, this team, the, the defense, which was the issue under Ryan Day for many years, this defense is great. The uh-huh. offense doesn't have the elite playmaking quarterback maybe that they've had in the past. Right. Yes, they have elite receivers, but it's the running game and it's the defense. It is it is classic old school Big Ten football. And we're seeing it out of Ohio State. They don't get the attention because Michigan's doing it that same way as well. But Ohio State can do it just as good as Michigan can on those aspects. And I think that part is being undersold on this matchup. I really do. Yeah, there's going to be plenty to talk about between now and... Saturday at noon for a berth in the state or the state, the <laughs> Big Ten championship game as Iowa awaits. The yes. Winner. Woo. Iowa winning by a safety. Uh, last year, we got to put up with this farce that yes. is the Big Ten West. Thankfully. Thankfully. Yes. Uh, meanwhile, a text that uh, segues us perfectly into our final uh, topic of the day. Cocaine Hippo sounds like a minor league baseball team name. Yeah. Uh, maybe like Fort Lauderdale or something, right? Somewhere yeah, around down Miami. there, like Virginia Key, you know, the <laughs> Miami area. Key Biscayne. Yes. You know? uh, well, Pablo Escobar's hippos that roam free without predators will be sterilized. Uh, this started last week. Uh, the sterilization of the hippos that was brought to the country by the late drug kingpin in the 1980s. Two male hippos, one female underwent surgical sterilization. Uh, the government trying to control the population of more than 100 of the mammals that roam around unsupervised in some rivers. Again, they have no natural predators. So that's the problem. They've been declared an invasive species. It could upset the ecosystem. The plan is sterilization of 40 hippos a year, transferring some of them to other countries, possibly euthanasia. 
really cracking down. Now, what I don't understand is I'm reading it too is if they're going to kill all of them or just try to keep the population in check, which I'm not really sure. Yeah, there there is a difference there. But again, most of them live freely in rivers, reproduce without control. Obviously, got out of Escobar's private zoo, became a, a tourist attraction after his death in 1993. Which they all still kind of hang around in the same area, I guess. It says mm-hmm. uh, in April, a hippo descended from Escobar's collection died after being hit by a car. Which uh, I don't think you want to be on the the receiving end of, of hitting a hippo. No, a that sounds worse than, than like hitting a moose. Yeah, right. So. Ugh. That's rough, but hopefully they don't kill all the hippos. Uh, they just keep the population in check because they said by the year 2035, if unchecked, there could have been the population could have risen to as many as 1,000 hippos. And rain has caused an issue. So there's more grass, which means they have an oversupply of food. Uh, so baiting them to capture is even more complicated, according to officials. But the government estimates 169 hippos in Colombia especially in the Magdalena River Basin. That's where they hang out. And as you mentioned, could be 1000 by 2035. Man. And each sterilization costs $9,800. A lot of money to get rid of some hippos. But Pablo Escobar, that, that lasting impression that he's leaving, not in the drug scene, but, but hippos. hippos. We'll keep an eye on it. Maybe we'll adopt one. <laughs> Just like, you know, you sponsor. You can, you can stay in, in uh, over there, but or down there. Adopt but, a hippo. Yeah, adopt a hippo. <laughs> for Justin Kidding, I am Caleb Batch. That wraps it up for us on a Monday. Dan Patrick Show up next. They're heard with Colin Cowherd at noon. Indiana Sports Beat with Jim Coyle from 3 to 4. And Purdue Basketball, Maui Invitational. They tip off against Gonzaga. 4 p.m. pregame, 5 p.m. tip over in Honolulu, Hawaii. Coming up again, 4 o'clock coverage starts here on 1380 The Fan and 100.9 FM.